Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Thank you for joining us today for today's episode of our Little Burns Fun podcast. Today, uh, we have a guest that I'm really, really excited to share with you. He is someone that I've had a magical night in the mountains with. Uh, We didn't have to cuddle for warmth, but it was some of the most fun I've ever had on a camping trip or a motorcycle. Uh, He's somebody who I know that is not afraid of hard work and can do just a little bit of anything. And one of the things I love most about him is lately he has just really encouraged us to praise the Lord. Uh, That's my friend, Jerry Hall. So Jerry, thanks for coming today. You're welcome. Do you regret this yet? Yes. Okay. That's been my first question for everyone. And they all say the same thing. So what are you doing? Um, you know, Jerry, you and Mary were the first, um, the first people who had us over for lunch, mm-hmm. uh, when we came to Burns and it made such an impression on you that we forgot your names during the meal. And I felt real stupid about that for a long time. <laughs> well, at least we remembered your name. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're better people than we are. That's, uh, that's the point there, I guess. So, Jerry, you know the uh, the idea here. Uh, what's what's your God story? Um, my God story. I was raised up in a small town, rural America. Uh, we lived a couple of I don't know three or four hundred foot from the church, and we walked back and forth. And I don't know why I went to Church of Christ, probably because it was close. Raised by my grandmama, got a older brother and sister, and kind of interesting uh it's three years between us and sisters right in the middle so you know we're, we're spaced out three little kids raised by grandmama in a rural country so you get kind of get the picture and when i was young she took us to church but the problem she had was she was old she was too old to raise kids when we got to be teenagers we kind of done what we wanted to and i didn't go to church you know you know how that is. Mm-hmm. Kind of broke away. Stage what you do in a rural America where there's nothing else to do. You know, just kids, redneck kids. That's what we were. When I hit mid-20s, I got to think about it. You know, I had two kids, and I said, I don't want to raise them like kids. I want my kids to go to church. So we started going back to the church, and to my surprise, everybody welcomed me back, you know. Uh-huh. The people, the old people were still there, the school teachers, the stuff down here. They was glad to have us. That was really impressed on me. So a couple of years later, Jim Reynolds baptized me. If you don't know Jim, he was a country preacher. I could relate to him. He could talk country, you know, even though he preached at a lot of different places. So we like Jim. And uh, But you get the old Church of Christ. My impression of the gospel then was a bunch of rules if you follow these rules you would get this result i was in the construction business and like the, the blueprints if you follow the blueprints it's what's going to look like 
and that went on pretty pretty good for a while but seven eight years later there was some problems in the church that i didn't like and i didn't like the way it was handled but you know we we worked through that and uh because of the problems, I wound, wound up doing a lot of work. I was teaching a class every Sunday. Once a month, I was preaching or giving a lesson, trying to. It, uh, once a month, I was doing a, a Sunday night. And there was a little church down Slayton that was nobody going to, but the elders were trying to do something down there. And so, you know, every other week, I was going down there and giving a lesson for Man, I thought, man, I'm really doing good for God. Yeah. And then the bottom fell out. Mm. And uh, I moved from Van Leer because of problems to Burns. And here at Burns, we went to two or three different places, and nobody seemed to, you know, know us and welcome us. So kind of dropped out for a while. Then uh, seven years later, I wound up marrying Mary. And there we was. She had uh, three kids, and I had one that was living with me. So we had four children, and she wanted to go to church, and she had been going to the Baptist church. So I went down with her, and we went to Baptist church for a month or two. Then one Sunday, his sermon was just, to me, being raised in Church of Christ was just crazy. You know, it didn't make a lot of sense. I talked to her, and we we came over here to the little church, the little white church. Yeah. And uh, there were some people our age going at that time, some people with you, some kids, and we started going to church over there. And uh, just no church of Christ, you know, same same little principles. And then uh, a few years later, we started this building, you know, the new church. We called new church, which is, what, 23 years old now? Hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. We started going over there. And uh, got another preacher, young man with photographic memory. Boy, he could quote scriptures, but he he was rules people again. No forgiveness, you know. It just really didn't go nowhere. And finally, uh, after he left, when James come over here three or four years later, James kind of softened the, the gospel up to teach you a little, little bit about Jesus, you know. And that really helped. That really softened you for you think that God loves you. And when you came, it kind of opened the Scriptures up to what it really says, not the traditions of the church. And I really enjoyed that. That uh, it gives you a motivation that being a Christian is about helping people. It's not about rules because everybody's got rules and everybody breaks them. <laughs> did you speed on the way here, Terry? No. I did. That's, uh, you know, what's speeding anyway? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Is it speeding if you don't know the speed no. limit? But, of course, when I got down here to the stupid red light, I run it because, you know, I I could sit there an hour on that motorbike and it probably wouldn't change. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the truth. I've sat at that one <laughs> yeah, a lot of time. So I run it. But anyway. I'm so grateful for um, what James did because James... James gave this church permission to be different and the courage that takes, um, the wisdom that takes. I said he softened the, the gospel up. He, he didn't soften it up. He told it like it is. Yeah. You know, the 
Church of Christ, the old tradition was hard line, you know, and, and that's the thing on Facebook, people now, you know, we're not be, we're not preaching the gospel if we're not talking about people going to hell if they don't do this or that. And, you know, look at Jesus' life. Jesus was a soft man. He helped everybody he could. Yeah. Her, you know, he didn't condemn anybody except the religious leaders who should have known better. Yeah, that's one of the most terrifying things about the gospels to me that the only people Jesus got real angry at are people who are doing my job. It kind of makes me not want to do my job. <laughs> You know. More, more in the rules with the elders. <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah, and so you know, tell me over the years, you know, when you first kind of started encountering that, uh, when James, when you met James and you started hearing something different, and and I know you're a man who's done your own study. Uh, was that scary at first? Did you hear it first ago? Something's wrong with that, or was there something intuitive you just kind of knew was off? What? Tell me about that. When James started started taking teaching and explaining the scriptures a little bit. I've uh, heard people say, well, James wasn't a good preacher. He was a good teacher. But what is preaching except teaching? Yeah. And he he would teach us what it meant, not what we thought it meant. He'd do a little study on it. And uh, that's really what helps when you really know the heart of Jesus instead of the heart of somebody what they've been taught through the ages. And uh, recently I've been to a couple of different churches and a lot of them still got the old tradition. You know, it's it's hard to break that tradition. Yeah, when you when you get away from it, um, people people accuse you of being weak on gospel or, you know, weak on sin. But I, I don't know, I just I want to do what Jesus I want to follow Jesus' example. Well People think Jesus is weak. Jesus will. You know, Jesus, uh, he endured sinners. Yeah. So he was a weak person, I guess, but he was strong enough to save me. Absolutely. Absolutely. How has your faith changed over your lifetime? I mean, you talked about there's a time where you're at rock bottom and there's a time yeah. you're somewhere else. At one time, I was way high because I thought I was doing everything God wanted me to. But then when the bottom fell out, you realize, what were you doing? What's, what have you done made God mad at you? You know? And so you have to work through these things. And uh, Some of them take a lot of time. Yeah. But uh, a little encouragement and uh, just to know what the Bible says helps you along the way because you know when you're, when you're doing wrong. Yeah. You know. You know it. And you have the urge to fix it, but sometimes you don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you're not quite ready to, to take that step or do what do what you need to do. Uh, what else has helped you in your journey? Friends? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's one reason we we got away from church. When we were growing up, we didn't have any friends with church, you know, kids like our bad thing about the men that were going to church, I didn't have any relationship with any of those. You know, they worked somewhere else, and uh, all I did was farm work. And you never was around a Christian much. It's, it's meet him on Sunday. Old man Carol was our favorite one. He was an old man that went to church every morning, old soup. And in his pocket, he always had some little old round grape balls. He'd, you know, he'd say, Jerry, you want some bubble gum? And every week he would give the kids a little bubble of them, you know. 
I met a fellow a few weeks ago and he's been visiting with us and I was asking what he did at his old church. He says, well, I, I was the church candy man. <laughs> and I thought, you don't know how important that is, you know, because how many years has it been uh, since you got those little great bubblegum balls? Uh, no, uh, Can't do that math. <laughs> no, if I don't want to do that math, but <laughs> we're looking at uh, 67, 68 years. Yeah. So, And I mean, that's what you remember. Right, him, yep. And I remember the church we went to was, uh, they had elders, but there was one elder that run the thing, you know. Yeah. So nobody bucked up to him. It kind of went his way. And, uh, that was uh, one thing that I saw wrong with it, you know. You need a little help. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to break those traditions when you set the rules. Absolutely. And, you know, tradition just has this way of enslaving us. You know, it's it's the only way we've done things, and you get you just can't see any other way. Um, okay, let's get in some real trouble, Terry. Um, well, what's your dream for the future of the church? The church, I think church needs to expand a little bit more. Uh, when we get the younger people involved, the, uh, the problem we have is... Uh, Everybody here is white, or the majority. We yeah. need, you know, we need to reach out a little bit more to the different races. You know, there's a lot of Mexicans and blacks that live in this area, but they don't associate with white people. Yeah. You know how that goes. So figuring out how to how to build those bridges, how to build the bridges, yeah, how to plant a seed somewhere to mm-hmm. to cross those bridges, and that would that the church in a little growing town like this ought to expand. You know. And I like some of the things we're doing. We're reaching out and helping people now, but uh, there are still more places to go. It's sometimes overwhelming because there's so much that, that can be done. You know. And the more you do, the more people you got to have, the more funds and the more management you got to have. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard to get people to do something, just tell them to go out there and do it. You got to yeah. have a little management. You know, it's funny how many times the problem is just organizing, you know, figuring out how to communicate and, you know, if person A is doing something, person B is doing something, and they're doing the same thing, and person C is telling A what to do. Just, we're not real good at that. No. We're all individuals, and we think we ought to do it our way. Yeah. And that's the... Well, my way's the right way, Cherry. I mean... Unless you're upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Unless it's your way, it's the right way, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, So you told me a little bit about faith journey. You told me a little bit about family. You told me a little bit about the future. Um, What... What about the gospel to you is just, what's the best thing you know about Jesus? What's the best thing you know about God? The best thing you know is he loves you. Even when you're wrong, he loves you. When you're struggling, he loves you. When you're on top, he loves you. It's, it's always that point that he loves you. You're never, you're never out there alone anymore. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's good. I have a somewhat of a loner anyway with <clears throat> when I worked I wound up with a job that I didn't had a lot of relationship, but I didn't work day daily with everybody. Yeah, I just kind of moved around a whole lot. It kind of get where you ride by yourself. You you spend a lot of time alone. So yeah, well, yeah. that's an okay thing, but it it yeah. does set you up to yeah. to feel isolated sometimes. And now I'm an old man, and I ride my motorcycle alone. <laughs> I go places alone. It's I don't have a a lot of close friends around either. Yeah. Is that tough or is that good or what is that? That's what you're used to, I guess. It is know. what it is. You know, 
I think I've got a lot of friends that, you know, but uh, we just do different things. When you're redneck off the old farm, we don't do the way city boys do. <laughs> and I know I'm a city boy, Jerry, so I'm so very sorry. But uh, I did learn one thing, you know, you never get in a fight with somebody who built concrete forms for a living. Yeah. I had some stories about the fights I got into, but uh, none, of them, none of them are good. You never win a fight. No, that's, that's the truth. Yeah. So go back to the rules thing for me. Um, you you talked about how how so many churches just tell you the rules. The rules, yeah. They may kind of make them up the rules ago. You know, uh, you, you better not get a divorce. Better not smoke now. Used to uh, when I was going to school, to church with kids, every man smoked. You know, get them out after break. All the men out there smoking. The elder I talked about. Uh, Sometimes you watch him in church, he'd be chewing. He chewed back in church. <laughs> that things that now are, are not. but uh, Kind of taboo. Yeah, taboo. The, they expect you to dress differently. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, being out of three kids and being raised by your grandmama, you know, we didn't have much. But I was the kid that when they get dressed up, before we get to church, I, I was undressed, I guess. You know, I looked like I'd been in a fight. I could get dirty, uh, and I don't know how when I was a kid I used to get dirt behind my ears, but I can remember every Sunday Grandma would, would scrub behind my ears with, she made her own soap, and they called it lye soap. She would scrub, feel like the hide was coming off. It seemed like we'd done that every Sunday to get ready to go to church. Yeah. And uh, she I get ready, and the time everybody else got ready, I'd be already be dirty and clothes about half falling off wrinkled. So that was that's the way I am today. I can get dirtier doing if I work, I come back dirty, and get dirt under my fingernails. My clothes don't look good. I just uh, it's natural for me. So, so why do you think we do the rules thing so much? Why do we keep getting drawn to that? Because it doesn't work. It's easy. It's a lot easier somebody say you ought to do this, 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 rather than have compassion and love. To you don't have to forgive. You got rules. You break the rules. You know they're wrong. Uh, we live in a world where we got to forgive whether we think they're right or wrong, and forgiving is hard sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes hard to forgive yourself. I was gonna say I'm not sure it's ever real easy. Yeah, and so the rules were easy to follow. You know. You got to do this, this, and this. If you don't do those things, you're in trouble. Your dress code, you had a dress code, you had a talk code, you had an eating code. You uh, <clears throat> had a marriage code. The people you date, the things you do. The church down there had the rule that when he built it, there could, if it ever had musical instruments in it, it would revert back to the nearest church. You know, it would just. You know, some crazy thing like that written up in the contract or the deed. And so they had, you couldn't hardly have a wedding there because you got to have music. You had a funeral there, but you couldn't have music. It could just, you know, be congregational singing. Yeah. You had to go once a year to the weekly meeting. It would be 100 degrees when they had them in an old church with no air conditioning with fans. And the preacher seemed like they never wanted to shut up. When I was a kid, you know, how, how that drug on, and it was miserable to go to the, the week of meetings. There was one time it was good. Of course, the Sunday started, they would have dinner on the ground. That's right. 
because we didn't have anywhere else <laughs> on the ground. And uh, over the years, though, after I quit going that first time, they uh, decided to build a fellowship hall. And they had a split. About half the people started going to Charlotte because they built a kitchen in the church. So just some, little rules like that, you know. Some of them, you know, we got to have those rules to live by. The Bible says it, you know. You got holes to eat in. Yeah. You can read that old chapter and come up with something different, too. Keep something it. different, yeah. And that's, that's the problem with the rules. They, they pick and choose the rules they want. And the rules they make most time are not exactly what the Bible says. It's what they think it says. Yeah. You can pick, you know. I heard a lot of sermons growing up that said the Bible is not an all-you-can-eat buffet. You don't get to pick and choose what you want. And then those sermons would go on to explain how other groups picked and chose, but they didn't acknowledge the fact that we picked and chose. This too, yeah. And everyone... I wish that the sermons would have spent some time talking about how and why we pick and choose, because I think that might that might could have been useful. Well, it didn't have to get back down to mostly tradition. This is why mom and daddy done it. And uh, that was another thing back the church, I get, but they used to preach against other congregations, how they're doing things wrong. But if you look around, there's no church is perfect everybody does something wrong it's you know they think they're doing their best they can but most of them are doing something wrong so why can't we love all the brothers if you're in christ if jesus died for you and you believe that jesus is the christ we should have fellowship because we're believers i think first john one says that yeah and we don't do that we you want to be our one little group we hate to intermix and i think so much of this comes from fear you know we're afraid that if we hang out with somebody else, either some of our people will go over there or maybe we'll break a rule. And then if we break a rule, we'll go to hell. We're afraid of being uncomfortable. We're afraid that somebody will leave. Um, well, you know, you've taught some lessons here where they almost left. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they call those moving ser- sermons, Jerry, because after you preach them, you have to move. Move. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I just... What we're doing is too important. The gospel is too powerful. Jesus is too good. God is too too God for us to play games with him and put him in these boxes. Yeah. Uh, we want him to do what we want to do, be just for us and not for somebody else. And you miss the whole point of the gospel a lot of times, you know. Can you imagine what we could do if everybody worked together? Yeah. That's a dream, isn't it, Terry? Yeah. Why does that feel so far off? Because I'm old and hadn't been done before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not as old as you are, but it feels pretty far off to me too. But it feels pretty clear in Scripture. You know, we're called to be one with each other. And, you know, I, I love the quote, wherever the father has a son or a daughter, I have a brother or sister. Whether I think they worship wrong or organize wrong or teach wrong, if God has a child, I have a brother or sister. Now, I grew up getting told that he didn't have children anywhere else. So I didn't have brothers and sisters anywhere else. So it's a challenge in, in, in our age to really see what needs to do and to encourage people to do it because 
lot of people get set in their ways. This is the way we've done it. We've always done it. Uh, we not. I'm not going to change. People tell you that I can't change. You know, or I'm not going to. And that change is what we don't like. So when I was in Bible college, um, you know, we had all of this training for all of the arguments that church has. You know, uh, here's this issue and that issue, and you know, here's how to argue with Scripture. And one of the things that his that shocked me. I guess I'm not shocked anymore, but probably my first 10 years, my mouth was open about this. When we had issues at church, almost no one ever wanted to reason the scriptures. Like that, that's not what happened. It was more about, well, brother, so-and-so is not going to like it and they'll leave. Or, well, Walnut Street's never done it that way. Or people will think we're this. And that's been kind of a constant frustration for me, how little we're willing to actually go straight to the source, and that that's us. Yeah, and see what the Bible says, and then we can discuss what it says, not what we think it says. Yeah. Yeah. Start with it, and, and then go from there. And, of course, when I grew up, you had to have the King James, and they did soften that up. You could use the new King James, but you had to say thou and these in it. <laughs> <laughs> you had to make the new King James the old—it was the middle-aged King middle James. Middle-aged, yeah. And uh, it was funny, you know, the prayers you had to say, these and thous, and, uh, you know, have certain words. When I first become a Christian, I asked Jim, is, is there a, a prayer book that y'all use? He said, no. He said, well, every week, you know, the guy gets up, you know what he's going to say. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, they were read a book or somewhere and going down the line. Oh, Jerry, that's so, that's such a good observation. And, uh, he said, no, I said, just, just the way they are. They don't, not praying from the heart when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, they think they are. That's the way they've done it for years. That ought to be good enough. Huh? And I hesitate to say that they're not praying from the heart. That feels a little too harsh, but they're definitely not thinking about what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I, there's a lot of sincere people who are really stuck well, I guess when you're in front of people, uh, you don't want to make a mistake, what you say. So, can I can I confess something? I hate leading public prayer, and the reason I mean I'll do it because a preacher who doesn't do it that's like a chef who doesn't cook. But I hate it because I feel a temptation to think more about what the crowd is saying than what I'm saying to God. Yeah, I think so. A lot of times you hear somebody lead a public prayer and he's more praying to the public than he is to, to God. You know, he wants what they want to hear and or he has a message he wants them to hear. He 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 wraps up in his prayer. So Yeah. So tell me when um when you were baptized, and a lot of people may not remember the brother who who baptized you preached to Burns further on down the road. Yeah. Um what led to that decision? What what got you there? Um uh, just talking to, to Jim, he would, uh, on Sunday afternoons, I'd go ride with him and go out and visit people and talk about the gospel. And then uh, and that was kind of moving to me, knowing where Jim came from and where I came from. And then, uh, you know, I said, Jim, I'm ready. Uh, what do I need to do to be baptized? You know, and we went through the thing and he said, yeah. Well, I'm going to be baptized. What I need, he said. Well, might or bring you some old clothes to put on, to, <laughs> so I duck in, and, uh, and and we did. And the church, I had a little old pool in the back. You know, it was behind the podium, behind the curtains, a little thing nobody could see anyway. I guess, but we were dunked over there in in the pool in the manlier. It's a good memory, isn't it? Yeah. 
It's a special memory. Yeah, when you come out of that water, you're so plain and pure. It feels good. It feels so good. And that's my favorite part about getting to baptize somebody is the hug they give you afterwards when you can just almost feel relief. You know, like, oh, I've done, I'm resting in Jesus. There was a man here, I don't know if you quote names or not, but he, he baptized his wife a couple of weeks ago. He said, man, he said, you don't, you can't believe the feeling I got out of that. That was an amazing moment. I think we can name names. It was yeah. Kayla and Taylor. And Jerry, I, I love their story because she helped him put on Christ when they first got married. And now, I don't know, seven, eight years later, how long they've been together, he helped her. Yeah. And I thought, this is what's supposed to happen. Uh, Jerry, I hope this isn't terrible, but one of my favorite things about a lot of the baptisms lately is I haven't had anything to do with them. That makes me so happy because it's people helping each other. Well, you kind of like Paul. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's it. And, of course, my daughter was baptized by her son. Yeah. My grandson. We sure love Heather and Dagan. And he just graduated boot camp, didn't he? Or, yep. Or something to that effect. He's still down in uh, Georgia. He's got probably another five or six weeks and he gets to come home. Oh, good. We're, we're looking forward to that. When we saw him at Christmas, I asked him if he'd caused any international incidents yet, and he said, so far, so good. So, <laughs> good thing he hadn't broke a bone yet. <laughs> I know. He's, he's, had some, he's had some trouble with that. Yeah. Well, Jerry, before we wrap up, is there is there any encouragement you have for the church, anything you just want to share or tell? The encouragement, uh, I tell you, is to look at the freedom you have in Christ. Don't be chained to some little box, some idea that, may not be scriptural, or, but open up a little bit. But don't be afraid to praise people, to encourage people, to praise God. And uh, if we do that, we'll grow. And I think we all need to grow a little bit. Absolutely. Well, Jerry, thanks for being with us today. And friends, thank you for listening so much. Uh, we'll be back soon with the next episode of this fun little show, and you'll find out who we're talking to then. Uh, until then, I can't wait to see what God's up to in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes his love into our stories. <laughs>